0: There are questions that I hope have been triggering in your mind already after just hearing the scripture for today. Like, for instance, why would Jesus spend the whole night in prayer? When do you remember you spent a whole night in prayer? And of course, we look back and in our hearts we say, wait a minute. If Jesus experienced that need in his life, and I do understand prayer is very important, why am I not doing this like Jesus did? The answer to the question why he spent that night, and that was not the only one he spent in prayer, like he did this in this case, you find the answer in the next verse. If you turn your Bible there to Luke chapter 6, you would see why. Some, if not all of you, have already looked into it and know the answer. It's very obvious. It's clear. For Jesus, this was not an accident. It was a special occasion, a special need And the Word of God tells us in verse 13, And when it was day, He called His disciples to Himself, and from them He chose twelve, whom He also named apostles. This is what's considered in the Gospels, in the story of the Bible, the night that Jesus prior to separating them For the gospel ministry, he spent the night praying for them. It was very significant. It was when he was going to ordain him. And when you follow the parallel passages of this text, you know that it uses the word he ordained them. The only occasion that it appears in the Bible. He separated them. He called them apostles. And it's very encouraging to know that for Jesus, this was something very significant. So we have an idea why he spent the whole night in prayer. Also, Luke chapter 1 and verse 35 gives us another hint in the life of Jesus. And if you turn your Bibles there to Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, it speaks of this Beautiful habit, if I can use that word, what was Jesus' favorite communion time with his father luke one thirty five tells us now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight again, it was dark. he spent a whole night praying now before it even the sun come out, there he is again, and there's the passage. Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. This is Jesus again, role modeling for me, role modeling for you. What was the most important aspect of his life? And then we wonder how, how could we picture Jesus praying? We have hints here and there from the Bible, from the pen of inspiration. My favorite one is one that I have the privilege to share with you before. And if you turn to your Bibles in Hebrews chapter 5, it could not be more clear. It could, be, it could not be more graphic describing how Jesus would look like when he was praying. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7. The word of God tells us the following. Speaking of Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. How do you and I rank, if I can use that word. How does my prayer look like? When you contrast Jesus, no, because we're in a competition, no. It's because of the intensity. It's because of deliberate, all the intention that when Jesus is praying, it was not a formula. It was not repeating senseless words or senseless repetitions of phrases trying to impress the father or giving a speech to God. No, when he cried, he was supplicating. Who supplicates? I think we would all agree that the ones who supplicate are those who are in the need Of someone's assistance, help. Someone that could do something for them. Very different than reciting or giving God a speech. Like I just mentioned there. And I'm impressed. And I'm challenged by Jesus' example. The way He looked. The way that He prayed. And for someone to... Have tears come out of his eyes. In the case of Jesus when he's praying. There were cries. That tells you that an intense emotion was involved. His intellect, his mind, his emotion, his whole being was involved, engaged in this communion with his father. And we know what was at stake. The disciples were about to be called for ministry. Yes. My question to you, and I've asked this to myself, could he just done it without prayer? I've heard people say, we don't need to pray. And then you hear the old spiritual Negro song, It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, my father, my mother, my neighbor. And the list just goes on. But it's me standing in the need of prayer. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Again, Jesus comes to us in a way that just impacts our minds, our hearts, our way of praying. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Let's look into this passage. Luke chapter 18 and in verse 1. He spoke, then he spoke a parable to them. This is the disciples This is the multitude there. Jesus then spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Other translation, the King James would say, and not faint. He wanted to make a point and he's using a parable, a figure of speech to illustrate the importance that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And he illustrates it in verse 2, saying, There was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God, nor regard man. Verse 3, Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward... He said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, she's persistent, she insists, she doesn't give up. This is the heart of this parable. This particular statement there in verse 5. Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual Again, there's that sense of not stopping, not giving up, don't faint, don't lose heart, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Verse 6 Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect? who cry, who pray out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. By contrast, this parable describes God. We do not have to convince God to answer your and my prayers. He wants to, he desires to do that on your behalf and on my behalf. So my friends, there it is. What are then some of the similarities between the disciples and us that we can learn from the gospel of Luke that will help us understand and encourage us that in our prayer life God will teach us and if you took if you turn to Luke chapter 11 and in verse 1 there's Is a question. That I pray it will become your most important question to God. Your most important petition to Him. Luke chapter 11. And in verse 1. Scripture tells us the following. Now it came to pass. As He was praying. Jesus is praying. The disciples are watching. And He was praying in a certain place. When He sees. In other words. When He had finished one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Would you please teach us to pray? I believe they understood what the Spirit of God had revealed in the letter the Apostle Paul wrote there in Romans chapter 8 when he says, we don't know what to pray for, not even what to ask. I need that teaching. I pray that you would supplicate, that you would ask God to instruct you, to teach you to pray, because we are all in the need, standing in the need of prayer. Yes. Dear friends, I want to invite you to consider, as we close, three vital and important elements Regarding what we've been considering thus far. Number one, when Jesus came and he prayed that night and he prayed at all times, it was because Jesus was on a mission. He was on a mission, he needed to pray. And his mission is described in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. You know it. It says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his mission. It was very clear. He understood he could not do without prayer. So constantly he flooded his life. He flooded his ministry. Especially when everyone was at sleep. That was praying time for Jesus. That was the time he spent with his father. That was the time that I so much covet to be taught by him to spend an hour in prayer with him. Because that's not my expertise. I am not well versed in that. And I need to ask him, teach me to pray like Jesus did. Yes. He was on a mission. And his mission was to seek and to save the lost. He had a plan. That's number two. So what was Jesus' plan? Very simple. You see, his plan was that he was going to begin his mission teaching for three and a half years these 12 men. He's going to teach them. Not only he's going to teach them, later on we know from the book of Acts, that there was 120 at the upper room praying for 10 days. They were praying for 10 days, not just one night, not just early in the morning, 10 days praying continually, claiming the promise of the Father that He would send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Yes, His plan was very simple. Train twelve. There were others continually following. Now there's 120 again at an upper room praying. And from there, like wildfire, take the known world by storm under the power and direction of the Holy Spirit and God honor those prayers. In one generation, the known world was reached with the gospel. And Paul in his letter to Colossians, chapter 1 and verse 6, he describes the whole world knows about it. Of course, I'm not sure the Spirit revealed to him about people living in China or the Incas in Peru or the Aztecs in Mexico or Mayas in Guatemala. I don't know. But at least the known world around the Mediterranean, North Africa, Palestine, the Middle East, minor, Asia minor, These places were all, all Europe was reached with the gospel in answer to the prayer of God's people. Jesus was on a mission to save that which was lost. That included every son and daughter of Adam and Eve. Number two, his plan was simple. He prepared these twelve. He offered them the gift, the greatest gift heaven could offer them. That was the Holy Spirit to lead the church. And they did it. And number three, what was Jesus' most powerful tool to accomplish this mission? Prayer. Prayer. We know, we've been praying, we've been talking about it. September 1st, Tuesday night, begins at the Riston Auditorium at Lawrence University. This seminar. Could prayer be lacked? Could we stop? Could we just do without it? When Jesus was upon earth, He taught His disciples how to pray. He directed them to present their daily needs before God. And I am just embarrassed to admit that it's so much easier to come to God with our needs. But what should be the greatest need that we should all be focusing on and come in tune with heaven? Wouldn't that be the salvation of every precious soul that lives in this tri-city of Nina and Asha Appleton. This is our mission field. This is the mission Jesus has given us, yes. He directed them to present their daily needs before God and to cast all their care upon Him. And the assurance He gave them that their petition should be heard is assurance also to us. What He did with them, He wants to do with us. Jesus himself, while he dwelt among man, was often in prayer. Our Savior identified himself with our needs and weaknesses. In that, he became a suppliant, a petitioner, seeking from his Father fresh supplies of strength that he might come forth braced for duty and trial. He is our example in all these things. He is a brother in our infirmities, in all points, tempted like as we are, but as the sinless one, his nature recoiled from evil. He endured struggles and torture of soul in a world of sin. His humanity made prayer a necessity and a privilege. He found comfort and joy in communion with his Father. And if the Savior of man, the Son of God, felt the need of prayer, how much more should I, all of us feeble, sinful mortals, feel the necessity of fervent, constant prayer. My friends, Our Heavenly Father waits to bestow upon us the fullness of His blessing. He's waiting on me. He's waiting on you. Friends, I am so glad that God has in mind for us to apply to save everyone in this tri-city. Not everyone is going to respond. And Nina, Menasha, Appleton, Fond du Lac, Oshkosh, New London. Yet, the call, the invitation is prepare with prayer. Prepare, think big. Why? Because God, our Heavenly Father, waits to bestow upon us the fullness of blessing. I pray that your prayer will be the prayer of that Englishman. Lord, give me Scotland or I'll die. Would you pray, Lord, give me this Tri-City. Give me Oshkosh. Give me Fond du Lac. Give me New London or I'll die. I have no reason to be here. And you may ask, what's the plan? Well, I have good news for you. God is going to do it again. And this time, right here, He's going to use every church of this district and every one of His disciples in doing it. Very simple. It's not complicated. What is the hard part of what is the Lord teaching us here this morning? Desire of Ages 297 He who called the fishermen of Galilee is still calling men to his service. And he is just as willing to manifest his power through us as through the first disciples. Isn't that amazing? God wants to repeat what he did in the past again through you, through me. People like me who don't know how to pray or even what to ask. He wants to repeat it again. He wants to do it again. However imperfect and sinful we may be, the Lord holds out to us the offer of partnership with Him, of apprenticeship to Christ. He invites us to come under the divine instruction that uniting with Christ, we may work the works of God. Dear friends, why would you and I use any different tool than the one Jesus used? Why? He's inviting us just now to do that. Dear God, we know once again that Jesus' death on the cross of Calvary was not in vain. Your Holy Spirit has been working before. Since then, to this day, bringing conviction to people. The gospel finds men and women, boys and girls, in different circumstances. Sometimes in the church, sometimes outside the church, and especially, when in the territory of the enemy, the call of heaven comes to someone. The enemy has many, Many chains trying to hold and keep back. But Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. And we thank you for taking the risk of inviting us to be your ambassadors. Not because we're any better than anyone else. But because we freely receive your gift too. We were as much lost and now found. Like the coin, like the lost sheep, like the prodigal son. And here we are now. Encourage, compel by your love to tell others what a great God, what a great Savior and friend Jesus is.